0: Hey everybody, this is Uncle Mike and this is Ross Ben and we are back with episode number 6 of From the 40th Parallel and this is going to be a very exciting one because we're going to talk about a day where we bridged the the uh, the the internet gap Whereas this relationship has always been experienced from a distance, I made a travel to the mystical and fantastical realm of the Wissahickon Creek. And we're here to share some wild stories. So, without any further ado, Raza Ben, how are you, my friend? Thankful. How are you making it? I'm doing good. I'm doing good. I'm still trying to process everything which we went through. But yeah, 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 yeah.
1: Processing as well, bro. Yeah, that was. uh... Yo, I see when you go to the Wissahickon with a group, like high, a group of high frequency people, yo, you open up portals, man, because that day was very profound. Just, you know, the things that, you know, we experienced, and we definitely gonna talk about it. Mm-hmm. Uh, something that I had never experienced in my 20 something years of hitting that scene you know but then even afterwards man it's like i just felt this charge ever since you know ever since i just got this charge and a lot of things have been opening up uh, a lot of opportunities and yeah man it
0: was just a magical day i was <laughs> Well, I mean, just to put give a little context to the people who are listening at home. So, so Roz had put together Roz and, and a, an organization known as Wissahickon Wellness had put together a tour of the Wissahickon Creek, and about twenty five of us were in attendance. And um, what what is so fascinating, like it would be one thing, like if all twenty five of us, like went to a, a tour of a of an interesting place but our tour guide had 20 years of experience of like really understanding the subtleties of this area and so the reason why that's important is we don't the all of us the other 24 of us we don't have a point of reference so we're like wow that was that was that was really something but but Raz has has the ability and is going to uh, illustrate for us that it was something special, and and I think we're planning on doing some more. So uh, anyone who who is listening to this and is capable of making any future um, tour events like you, this is bigger than this is bigger than than just the description of, of walking in the woods.
1: Definitely, it's definitely more than a walk in the woods, and like what I have shared with the group, setting off. You know, Philly's known for its Center City attractions and Ben Franklin Parkway, Art Museum, Franklin Institute, Logan Circle, you know, uh, City Hall, uh, Independence Hall, all those that those are powerful spots, but in my humble opinion, uh, as it was described to this to us by that, uh, by someone we just ran into that day. If you really want to experience the spiritual history of Philadelphia. As far as this one walking tour. And I know I did right because I I make it so often, it's like kind of an average walk to me. But I, I, I did see like by the end of the day, some of uh, of the group was a little fatigued, you know. But with even considering that, want just to be able to do one walk and experience so much history. I think that was what we, the the tour in the Lower Wissahickon, from Rittenhouse, uh, Rittenhouse Township, the remnants of it, to the Monastery Stables, that has the I Am Temple, and and we will talk about that, over to the Hermit's Cave, Johann Kelp, the first Rosicrucian, his cave, and Lover's Leap. Yeah, man, that the 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 whole, really,
0: the spiritual birth of the nation. The, why don't you the- just ro- why don't you roll with this? Why don't you start off our our conversation, and I'll sit back and and and. and-, <clears throat> and out. Sure. So uh, can I share let me share screen?
1: Uh, yeah, let me share screen.
0: Do you have the ability? Oh, here we go. Yes, we're good. All right, good.
1: All right, so our trip kind of centered around this character right here. A man named Comte, which means Count in French, Comte de Saint Germain, or Count Saint Germain, you know? And this guy is and this, uh Clint, well, kind of looked at by, let me see if I can find the adherence of the I Am Temple, right, one of which is in the Philadelphia, I mean, in the Wissahickon, right? This is the one we went to that day and I Am Temple was founded in 1930, by a name by a guy named Guy Ballard, who actually claims to be a reincarnation of George Washington, right? And he basically set up this what some label a cult that worships this ascended master named Count Saint Germain. And I always knew there was something deep about this place, man, just, if anything else, just the vibe around it, you know, and I I, I did do research on the I Am Temple, you know, trying to like really figure out who they were and how they fit in to the Great Mystery Philadelphia, you know, uh, because where this I Am Temple is at what's called the Monastery Stables in the Wissahickon. It's such a mystical power vortex scene. And this place holds uh, a a high recognition in Lenape tradition. Uh, It's supposedly the field where naming ceremonies were conducted on the equinox, the the vernal equinox, from the tradition that I heard, the Lenape would not, like let's say a youth was born, you know, any other time before the equinox. They wouldn't receive a name until the equinox. And that they would gather at this field and there receive their name. And I think this is all tied into the fact that the Lenape uh, are called the grandfathers of humanity, you know, the elders of, of humanity, right? And the Wissahickon, this is some ancient land This is land hundreds of millions of years older than Appalachia. And I'm not going to get all into the geology of it right now, but it's just ancient land. And so it would follow that the elders of humanity would settle on this ancient land, you know? Uh, And so where these monastery stables are. This is supposedly where the naming ceremonies, and I, I would imagine other significant ceremonies as well, would occur. You know, so this I Am Temple is right there, and I always knew something was up, but I couldn't I I couldn't figure it out, and particularly with this guy Saint Germain, it just wasn't adding up you know. Uh, But I was able to penetrate it, I was able to figure it out. When I was actually doing research on New Orleans in the 1800s. And there was this account of a vampire, an immortal vampire named Jacques Saint-Germain, right? And I will get into the details to it uh, a little later on, but the point is, once I saw that there was a vampire named Jacques Saint-Germain and I thought to myself, wow, what if we looked at the character associated with the I am Temple, Comp Saint Germain, not so much as this ascended master that, you know, incarnates in different people throughout history, like has incarnated in different embodiments throughout history. But what if we look at him as an immortal vampire? that just shifts up his identity every couple of hundred years, you know? Then everything about, once I like had that subtle shift of perspective, everything about St. Germain, the I Am Temple and his connection to a specific historical event that occurred in the Wissahickon known as the consecration of George Washington. Right? Everything fell into place, you know? So, uh, this guy, I kind of mentioned this, that whole St. Germain movement, right? It's headquartered out of Illinois, right? They have facilities in Dunsmuir, California. And Denver, Colorado. Now, what's interesting is they don't publicly speak about the I Am Temple in the Wissahickon, okay? At least not on their website. So, again, it was founded by this guy named Guy Ballard in 1930. He claims to be a reincarnation of George Washington. And he says that St. Germain is like this ascended master, you know? Uh, And as an Ascended Master, St. Germain has had all of these different incarnations in which he has impacted the, you know, space-time historical trajectory of humanity. First incarnation as this ruler of a golden age 50,000 years ago. Centered in the Sahara Desert, then as a high priest of Atlantis 13,000 years ago, then again as the prophet Samuel, and here's where he gets his name Uncle Sam. And 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 the prophet Samuel is important biblically, because he was the last of the Hebrew judges, before the kings. You know, particularly David and Solomon. And as such, it was the prophet Samuel who anointed the kings, right? They also say this guy was uh, Saint Joseph, uh, father of Jesus and, you know, husband of Mary. They say he was Saint Alban, the first British martyr, right? They say he was Merlin, and why is that important is because Merlin is the anointer of the Arturian kings, okay. They say he was both Roger and Francis Bacon, and in my opinion, that would make him the embodiment of Prometheus, the giver of electric fire to humanity, because it was their scientific methods handed to Ben Franklin that you know opened up uh modern electronical age you know uh Christopher Columbus right they they don't have it listed here but the tradition says he was also Christian Rosencruz okay so You know, we we break it down in The Great Mystery Philadelphia that Christian Rosencruz is semi-historical, semi-mythical, probably more mythical than historical. But again, if we look at the, like, story as it is accounted in The Alchemical Wedding of Christian Rosencruz, that this guy is an immortal vampire. Because the alchemical wedding of Christian Rosencruz is all centered around beheading the Moor and throwing throwing his body, throwing the, king, the Moor and the King's court of the Moor into a huge vat and boiling, like beheading them, draining their blood, putting that in one vat and then taking his body and uh, boiling it down into a, you know, liquid substance blending the two together and serving it at the ver at the wedding of virgo luciferia you know that's the alchemical wedding of christian rosencruz you know and we we do break that's one thing we do in the great mystery philadelphia is break all that down uh the allegory to historic unfoldment you know so then again, right, if we look at this dude as an immortal vampire, it makes total sense. It don't make full sense until you look at this guy from this lens, right? But particularly this character they call Comp Saint Germain, the wonder man of Europe. He's known by several names, okay? But he was supposedly, he'd come out of this Transylvanian nobility. So that does already kind of connect him to like, the lineage of Vlad the Impaler and those uh, blood uh, gorging uh, nobles of Transylvania, right? And again, to tie this into the great mystery Philadelphia, we speak about this significant event that occurred uh, in the like early 1300s at a place called Hauska Castle. Where basically a rituals occurred that opened the gate to hell, and that this uh, event is is ritualized and memorialized in two places on planet Earth: France and Philadelphia, in the Rodin Museum. That's what is really it's a tribute to, right? But that this event spawned. 13 bloodlines, one of which was seated in Transylvania and we, you know, uh, through heraldry, track this lineage. Well, here we have what appears to be an immortal vampire from this lineage coming here to the Wissahickon to anoint George Washington here in, in in you know right here in the Wissahickon at on the site where that I am temple and the monastery stables is today you know and he's done a lot of things i'm i'm not going to get all into what count saint germain has done uh other than to say uh it does seem that he played one other role in the founding of the nation. Uh, Do you want to give that account? Uh, No, please go right ahead. Okay, I'll do my best because I'm going on memory. So help fill in the blanks if I leave something significant out, okay? Okay. Uh, Manly Hall and and the secret destiny of America. He recounts that there was this unknown Un well unnamed character at the signer of the Declaration of the of Independence that made this very stirring speech, uh, charging, uh, you know the the the, the 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 those there to found the nation, you know and it seems like this guy was more than likely comte saint germain
0: is there anything to add to that i'll add just a little bit of color commentary to it so um so how how it's told of that story like it's 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 remarkable so it says that um you've got all of the original signers of or at this point the potential signers of the declaration of independence At which point you're basically saying like, uh, I'm putting my name out there. I'm putting my name up until this moment. Like I'm kind of in the shadows, but I'm putting my name out there. And it's like, there's gonna, you know, I'm drawing the line in the sand. And there was a, there was a lot of arguments. They were like in the, well, I'm not certain what building they were in, but they had all of the shutters closed. They had guards at the door. No one could come in. This is top secret. And they're like, are we going to do it? Or are we not going to do it? And they were going back and forth back and forth and then and this is all like accounted in Manley P. Hall's book. He go, uh, he says in great detail. And he says, he says that there was a, a mysterious figure in the back of the room and no one knew how he got there. Like all the doors are locked, all the windows are, are shut. And he made a speech and he made, just as you were saying, the speech, which, 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 uh, um, uh, incited something within all of the men who were in that room. And they didn't say another word and they lined up and they signed their names. And then that was that. And when you put that story in, in concert or in, in like a, a a greater, a greater perspective with the consecration of, of George Washington, like what happened in that story. And then also like what you're saying with the history of the anointing of Kings, uh, that have followed this, uh, St. Germain story through, you know, the history, which you just laid out, you know, it's, there's this consistency that we're seeing. Yes. And it's and it's told from multiple <laughs> perspectives.
1: Multiple perspectives, yes. So uh the one thing I will uh, I will quote Voltaire. His one line about this Comp Saint-Germain kind of says it all. He was a contemporary of this guy in French uh you know, highbrow society the Count de St. Germain is a man who was never born, who will never die and who knows everything. Okay. So before I get into the George Washington piece and the consecration, I do wanna, let's go through this account of this dude named Jacques St. Germain in New Orleans, cause this is what made it all click for me. Right? So, This is, uh, if I'm recalling correctly, we're now in the uh, 1800s, okay? And let me see, yeah. All right, and then you have this, uh, you have this cat appear in New Orleans named Jacques St. Uh, Jock St. Germain, right? And this dude is an alchemist, right? He's, and what I mean by that, he was putting on these lavish parties because he could just transform a janky diamond, a janky uh, blemished diamond into like a perfect gem he could transmute lead to gold, right? So he was, you know, pouring wealth into the noble caste down in New Orleans, right? Throwing these lavish parties, just increasing the wealth abundantly. So of course he was very popular, right? He was putting on these uh, elaborate feasts, of which he would never eat right he would only drink this red concoction out of this goblet okay and like this you know he did this so frequently it it caught people's attention you know what i mean and uh one one night he Invited a, a, invited a prostitute over his house and he attacked her. Tried to bite her neck and suck her blood, right? Was about to kill her and he got interrupted. Somebody like walked in on him, right? So the woman ran away, filed a police report. Right. but well, because he was an, of like a aristocratic cast. Right. Uh, when the police came, they, they were like, yeah, you know, you have this complaint against you. We're not going to trouble you right now. Just report to the police station tomorrow and explain to us what happened between you and this woman. Right he never showed up so uh you know they went went to his spot the next day he was gone he had broke out right but they found these bottles of wine and when they checked it out they had blood in them you know so this was the story of Jacques Saint-Germain. And then that raises the natural question, is it Jacques Saint-Germain or Count Saint-Germain, this immortal? This is what I'm saying, like, uh it clicked who Count Saint-Germain and the things that he did and how he was able to do it. It really clicked once I looked at him from a perspective of an immortal. Now, but even gives this more credibility is there's a cat in the 70s who claimed to be him you know and this uh uh, let me skip the uh skip the ad this is subtitled, so i'm gonna just let it run right but yeah this guy was around in the 70s i don't know where he is today but I guess he got tired of being undercover or whatever. He let them make a a documentary. And where he says, like, you know, yeah, to y'all, I would appear immortal, but I'm really not, you know. But my lifespan is several thousand years. I've really been around for about 17,000 years. Look, this cat said he been around 17,000 years. All right, and Again, I'm not gonna. Uh, there is one part I do want us to kind of focus on.
0: Can I just bring up one point, please? The picture which you, or the very first scene which we saw of um, of of this character right here, there's a there's a a, a chateau in the background. And, like, in a very general sense, like, it's not, ex- it's not, I'm not saying it's exactly the same, but in a general sense, that's basically the house which the I am temple, you know, it looks like, Model like it's that. Got that feel like it's like yeah. it's the same, it's the same uh, aesthetic in a way, it's the same modus operandi.
1: Yeah, I paused it here. Look, I benefit from a product which comes from a technique and a science that allows me to go through time. So, if we If this dude is jacques saint-germain what's that product and technique and
0: science vampirism look at his skin look that look how smooth his skin looks
1: yeah so you know everything had clicked and this and this all occurred like very recent i would say within the last month actually preparing uh preparing to go you know on to for the tour right so this i am temple you're right That it looks that chateau looks a lot like the i am temple <laughs> like it's got a similarity it's <laughs> yeah let's go to that and let the people see you know
0: like it's got the because people. they
1: got you got the idea you could go check out that whole you see it's on youtube you could go and check the whole Documentary yourself. Look at that.
0: And let me add this, uh like, to to paint the picture for the people at home. Like this, this Wissahickon Creek Park is a bit. It's not like Central Park. It's not a manicured park. It is an enormous park in in pretty much it's it's natural uh condition with just like uh maybe some paved trails and a little bit of touches there is like a golf course but for the most part it's this this natural setting sort of park there aren't any single family homes there's no one living around there and then all of a sudden adjacent almost surrounded by the park is this 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 subdivision you know for lack of a better word of homes of this of this magnitude and scale and in fact this this may have been one of the smaller ones and they look like freaking castles and you can't they look like they've been there forever it doesn't look like a mcmansion that was built last you know like in the last 10 years it looks like something that's been there forever but is in immaculate condition and it's completely surrounded by the park Yes.
1: So how does, this, how does this relate to George Washington? Uh, supposedly during the Battle of Germ- Germantown, George Washington was stationed near Rittenhouse Township, him and his troops, which is basically one of the main entrances into the Wissahickon Park now, right? That's basically where we met. And uh, he was troubled, because they were losing the war. And as a matter of fact, uh, George Washington's forces did lose the Battle of Germantown, and that's what forced them to have to retreat to Valley Forge, OK? So uh, they say one night, and I think it was supposed to be New Year's Eve, 1773. Is that it? I don't know, it sounds, it
0: sounds good to me. I
1: think that's, I think that's what it was recorded as. Uh, Washington was troubled and just got on his horse and let his horse wander through the Wissahickon, wherever it might lead him. And simultaneous, there was this monk of the Wissahickon, unnamed. This isn't Johann Kelp or Christopher Witt or any other monks that are known and named, okay? There's this unnamed monk who, even though he was a Rosicrucian, he didn't live with the monks because he was just of a different stature, you know? He lived about a mile from them, And this is, you know, how it's recorded and what's called uh, Tales of the Wissahickon, also known as the Consecration of Washington. Okay. And this is a very important in Masonic lore. Okay. This is, and in an, an Masonic tradition, because of this story, they say the Wissahickon is to Masonry as the Ganges is to the Hindu, hmm. is what they say a Masonic lore, as far as where they how they value the Wissahickon because of this story. Because <clears throat> it was said that uh, simultaneously this unnamed monk sensed Washington was coming and charged two children that were with him, one was a little boy to get gather a sword, and the other was a little girl to gather this anointing oil. And George Washington walked right up on him. This is the tradition, right? And supposedly this uh, unnamed Wissahickon, Rosicrucian monk you know anointed it's like yo you're the you're gonna be the uh one that leads freedom from the tyrants in the tyrannical kings create a land of freedom da 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 da. anointed him took the sword kind of blessed him put a laurel wreath not a crown but a laurel wreath uh upon his head and You know, this was what was called the consecration of Washington. And why this is significant is because, of course, the war of independence was framed around freedom from kingship. Right. And so you couldn't have the crowning of the leader of of the new country, Hmm. but still you wanted some Quote, unquote, divine anointment and appointment. Right. So thus you have the consecration of George Washington, where this was this act or this event was supposed to divinely anoint George Washington. And I think why the monastery Stables was chosen again is because just like the Lenape, why they would would name a youth until the equinox to come here, gather here, to tap into the agency of this land, you know, Washington, and 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 this unnamed monk. They were using using all the momentum of that as a part of this ad- divine anointment and appointment, you know, so. you know uh yeah this is where this event occurred and so my feeling is the rosicrucians through guy ballard and the i am temple they really wanted to have something of their own on this land now I was since told that even if you go into the monastery stables, right? Uh, like the building that is the monastery uh stables, that there is more Rosa Cruz, uh more I am temple and uh presidential art. Hmm. That it's really all one thing, you know. And so uh I will say that land was first made the monastery stable by a man named Joseph Gorges. right? He was a Seventh-day Baptist. <laughs> so he was a Protestant that viewed, viewed Saturdays as, as the Sabbath day, kind of like uh, Seventh-day Adventists and jehovah's witness of today so these were like proto seven day events, you know prototype and uh, no monastical life occurred on monastery stables he just named the property the monastery right but it is recorded in the history of the monastery that the monk, that some unnamed hermit or monk lived there for 17 months and wrote a book called the Chronicon, okay? Which was supposedly a book of all times. And that was one of the things Count St. Germain was known for in Europe, for telling stories about the Queen of Sheba and Cleopatra as if he was there, you know? Uh, so it'd be really interesting to find this Chronicon. But I'm going to uh, just mention one last thing and pass it on to you. That it seemed like right after this guy disappeared in Philadelphia, you have Conrad Bezel appearing in Ephrata. And I know he wrote a, he is credited with writing a book named The Chronicon. And when I read the little bit I read about Conrad Beazel, he was very magnetic and mesmeric toward women, just like this Count Saint Germain. He was full of verve and you know, like physical verve as well as like, you know, just super well-learned like uh comp saint germain very musically inclined like this comp saint germain you know so you know oh but yeah i might as well i, I right i didn't tell what happened <laughs> okay. okay i i will i will seal off with that mm-hmm. What else I got if I got the images I got up here. So yo something that was real bugged out. Okay, because this is not a public place. Trust me. Right. And I've studied this place for decades. I came to Philly in 1995. Right. And I grew up in Washington DC on the edge of Rock Creek Park. All right. I don't know if you were up on that song, uh, doing it in the park, doing it in the park. All right. Yo, I I grew up in rock Creek park in that generation. Okay. I grew up doing it in the park. Okay. (laughs) And that, that had its own meaning, you know, because the, the vibe was like, yo, bring something, you bring something to the party, you know, a nickel bag of weed it might have been you know that was just in the 70s and 80s they had the little uh manila envelopes five dollar bag of weed or a six-pack something you bring something you fall into the party man rock creek park was one big party and we would do it in the park after dark you know into the night and uh so I'm just saying that to say Rock Creek Park had a big impact on my childhood, my early adolescence and adolescence, you know. So when I moved to Philly as you know, a young parent now in, in, in mid nineties, I was looking for something comparable. And that's why I found the Wissahickens. And then when I walked up on this, I walked up on this thing early. I found it like early and it just always intrigued me. And I was like, what? Because you see, it's very well manicured, man. It's always, it's every day, it's always been well manicured. But you never, I had never seen nobody out there, right? Doing no manicuring. I would come. Sundays, all different times of the day. Like, is this a church? You know, like who's show, who's coming here to to worship? Come here. I was like, all right. Well, maybe they uh, they honor Saturday as the Sabbath. I come Saturdays. I come. Maybe they Sufi. I come Fridays. Right. Never would see anyone. I'd come day. I'd come night. And I'm talking decades. I met one character that said he could get me in there. That's a whole nother story. I'm not going to get in. That's another episode, all right? (laughs) Uh, But outside of that, and, and this is what I'm telling you, man, since 1995, I've never seen no activity, nobody, not even no cars parked around it right because if you are because i even got to set the stage i told the group i was like look because you can't really access this thing from the woods it's in the woods but you got to actually leave the park walk down this street that i described like wisteria lane you know to get to so i told them like look This isn't no place you really gonna wanna be and talking and standing around, but you gotta see it. Get your cameras ready. We're gonna walk, take the shot, get your images, and then we're gonna uh, go back to this, go back into the woods to the field where I told you I think those. Lenape naming ceremonies would occur. And that's where we're going to resume the discussion, you know, so Some of the group was a little wearier than the others. So I told those that were with me y'all go ahead because you can't miss it. You know, it's going to stand out what it is y'all are to see and to get your image right and I wanted to make sure some that were in the back would see where they had to make a turn. I didn't wanna like lose no one, right? So by the time I'm walking up, first off, I knew something was different because there was three cars parked in front. I had never seen that before. And we should say that we, we went on Earth Day, right? This was what, April 22nd. So it was Earth Day. Bam! There's three cars out front. I was like, "Why?" Not? I said this to myself. I was like, "Man, never seen, seen that before, right?" And as we walking up, we see the gates opening up. And the the what what did he say he was? The uh, the
0: caretaker. What,
1: the caretaker. The caretaker came out. And it was interesting. Now I was recounted this because he spoke with the group a lot more than he spoke with me. Because again, I, I was uh, waiting for one, right? But he had told him that, uh, right? He was the gatekeeper. that I Am Temple. He gave a brief history. I think dealing with Guy Ballard uh said that this spot was bought in the 50s from a cartoonist i think he said a famous cartoonist and that uh uh he affirmed that count saint germain was the one who anointed george washington In the uh account of you know uh the consecration of Washington, right? But by time Mike and myself walk up, because they were like state, like they ran down. They was like, yo, Ross Ben, Mike, y'all gotta come hear this boy. He was just saying what y'all was saying, like everything, you know. Uh, you gotta come hear him. And they told him, like, yo, you gotta talk to. Our guide, because he just uh said everything you were affirming, right? When we got up there, he flipped his story. He was like, nah, actually, it wasn't uh Saint Germain who consecrated Washington. It was a man named Erdnine. And I meant to research this guy before we came on today. I didn't get a chance to, but he said it was a man named Erdenheim. And so I just thought that was very interesting. I wish I could speak on who Erdenheim is. I can't, right? But yeah, he flipped up his story. Once he saw myself and Mike, like, you know, like he wasn't gonna be the one that that sourced that to us, you know? uh but I just took it as like like I say man I've been checking this spot out for over two decades and I've never seen any activity and when I meant to say too, the guy told the group I didn't see y'all out here I felt y'all I felt something I felt y'all I felt something and that made me come out here and then I saw you. That was what he told the group. So, I just took it as an amazing synchronicity, man, that affirmed that we're really on to something with this Count St. Germain dude being the anointer of George Washington and that, you know, I really feel like if there's any one embodiment of Prometheus, this manipulator of time, who's been on the surface of the earth from the golden age. Remember we said historically, there's two Prometheuses, right? Uh, The one that ended the golden age, and then uh, the Ramesses the second and Seti the first of the 20th dynasty, right? Uh, of the of no excuse me the nineteenth dynasty. Uh, and that these guys did some serious manipulation of time with these technologies, right? And This guy's saying he's been around for seventeen thousand years. If there's any one embodiment of Prometheus, you know, is is Count Saint Germain. And I think, uh, again, because we know with any mystery, particularly the great mystery Philadelphia, once you answer one question, a dozen more pop up. You know what I mean? That's what the whole rabbit hole phenomenon is all about. So uh, I know there's more I got to penetrate on this, you know? before I can articulate it in a clear fullness, but I think this dude is the master manipulator of time,
0: you know? All right. Is there anything else? I think that's a, that's enough bro i think that's good that was that was uh um <laughs> i was like i'm listening to you tell the story i'm like is he not gonna tell him about the guy who came out and then like suddenly like you're, i got it i got it how could i forget it was yeah. uh it was a uh um it was a a unbelievably wild day and like we're not even like talking about like what like was happening to the folks afterwards like internally but I'm going to go and tell my my account of the day and I think this is going to be a very a very um insightful uh um reflection of like what we were kind of stepping into like for me the to for me like before all of the things that have happened on the land is like it's the land and I'm like, well, what is that? Those are the questions I like to ask. Like, what, what, what actually is this thing we're walking on? And like, how does that impact experience and so forth? So um, without any further ado, I'm gonna begin my presentation right here. All right, can you see this? Yes. All right, where are we? All right, so uh, this is here. So I want to begin with this. Uh, This is kind of how I, uh, I look at the Wissahickon Park. Um, There are these, you know, circles within circles, it's just a diagram to explain an idea. But in the the core of it is this geological history and not so much like you know, this is Pangea, or this is the oldest land. And like that in itself is the interest that fact Points to something greater, and that's the mystery. Like I'm not certain what it points to, but it's pointing to something. So then, built on top of that is understanding the Lenape history that happened upon it, and all of the all of the whatever had been occurring in what we now think of as, as Philadelphia prior to the arrival of of um, the most recent arrival of people from Europe. Uh, and then on top of that, we then have the Rosicrucian history, like in Wissahickon Park and then on top of that and that started like you know uh in the late 1600s and then it starts getting real interesting with the main mainstream US history of the the battle of Germantown like that happened in the same spot and then on top of that is where we get this kind of masonic story of the consecration of George Washington like all of these like each in themselves like a really significant sort of thing they all are grounded on this so uh That is kind of the perspective um, I took away from my time with you. Uh, And then also this um, embedded in Wissahickon Park is mystery, wonder, death and double crossing. We didn't go much into those stories, but a lot of, um, a lot of your presentations in the past and what you shared with us as we walk the land um, had to deal with uh, a lot of like the William Penn sort of stuff and, and, you know, death and double crossings. So with that being said, the day begins. I'm super excited to come and do this. Like, you know, up until the day before, I didn't know if it was going to happen. I was like, I don't know about this, I don't know about that. All these loose loose uh um ends, but then like everything falls in place and I'm coming out to to Higgins, about 90 minutes away from from where I lived. So, here's a little bit of uh insight into into Mike's world. So, uh, this is one of the ways I start the day. This is a picture from my own private from my own private uh uh notebook and each day like I don't follow the calendar. I have my own. And so I follow and I convert it. I convert it from like the lunar phase and so these are my weeks. They're not 7 days. They're based upon the quarters. But every morning I pick one card from three different decks. I pick a card from the tarot, from the I and then one from something called the enchanted map. And I use them as reflection pieces, contemplation pieces. And, you know, I think about that through the day. It kind of keeps me like something to look at. So we're going to go back. So the, the week in my system, I say week, you know, with quotation marks, it began on the first quarter, which was the 20th and you know the first of anything kind of sets the tone for like that cycle and so it was the hermit was the tarot card i picked i think i see it as the grandmother the grandfather and then this is kind of like the the mystical being and i, I this holds the most weight so i was like this is hermit stuff so all right i know what i know it's going to happen this week and then this is the actual day which which uh, uh was the Wissahickon walk and so I chose these cards before going down, before getting in my car and driving down and so forth. So I want to point out the cards, which I picked the cards, which I picked was the five of swords work on what is spoiled and rescue. And I got your name written down. Cause I want to remember this was the day which I went down to Wissahickam. So for anyone who's not familiar with like the archetypical kind of, um, of, of meaning of, of these, I'll, I'll just take a moment to get into that. So within tarot, which is kind of like a Western history, the five of swords is all about like conflict and rivalry and like, you know, violence, crime, rape, murder, assault, like, you know, all sorts of, not just those things, self-sabotaging behavior, but all of this kind of like, uh, you know, really, a conf- conflict sort of behavior. So then, uh, the next card I picked it was uh, it, it deals with the six. Uh, each card is a different hexagram of the I Ching, and so the card I picked was number eighteen, which is traditionally or uh, translated as work on what has been spoiled. Often, de- often um, defined as well as repairing the damage. And the last card I picked, which is kind of like the more of like the mystical, I see these as very, really well established within the the human history, one from the east, one from the west, of these like these, these languages in which to communicate with the mysteries, um the um these cards kind of set the stage for me. And so when I saw that, when I saw that um Jesse, who came down with me, Jesse's a part of the Susquehanna alchemy family. He suggested to me the night before. He's like, you know what? You should really bring a gift, bring a br- gift for uh, Faraz Ben. And as soon as I saw this about rivalry and repairing what's been spoiled and all of this sort of stuff. Uh, and like I was like, OK, like, you know, this, this isn't about me and you. This is about something which is larger and um, I the the gift I already thought uh, I was I was planning on bringing on bringing to you like I increased that and I was like this is a this is a symbolic gesture these gifts which I give which included water from the Susquehanna River which included uh, uh, a piece of wood which which had been. Um, polished and then also a stone from the area uh those were gifts and they were they were they were attempting to step into this type of quality of 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 repairing what has been um uh what has been spoiled so what is this what has been spoiled so i just made this quick uh this quick list of um like ways which which philadelphia and the delaware and and what we're going to call Lancaster and the Susquehanna have been linked you know i say rivalry with with quotation marks sometimes it was all out war sometimes you know it's 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 this kind of like five of swords type of 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 archetype so you know we've got the Susquehanna river the delaware river the susquehannock the Lene lenape the susquehanna mystery the great mystery philadelphia effort a cloister conrad Beisel, hermits cave uh, johann kelp cocalico creek Wissahickon creek and the river brethren and the church of the brethren so now let's go in and look a little bit deeper at what what sort of archetypical energies we were stepping into that day so i'm going to begin with uh, the church of the brethren the river brethren conrad bisel and the effort of cloister so as you took us on the walk in uh throughout the wissahickon um one of the places which we stopped was the establishment of the church of the brethren there was a a historical marker alongside the creek bend and says like this is where the church was established in uh um i think it was in 1723 on christmas day so this is before the consecration of george washington this is in the same general area and this is where the the church of the brethren began and so the church of the brethren is one of the three historic peace churches which include the quakers uh and the mennonite churches as well the the amish traditions like all of the plain people which we think of as the pennsylvania dutch they're kind of connected uh through this establishment of of the brethren church or other similar type of brethren churches so um and all of this goes back to this guy alexander mack uh in uh i I don't i I don't even know how to pronounce it some town in germany so we've got that right on on the Wissahickon. We see right here, this is the, this is the historical marker, which is right on the park. It says, the Brethren eventually moved to seek religious freedom and reorganized in America. They founded the first American congregation on Christmas Day the 23rd in Germantown, Pennsylvania. That's what we're talking about in a village outside of D.C. or outside of Philadelphia. Um, and then we see this right here, in 1728, so this is five years later, Conrad Beisel, a Brethren minister at Conestoga, so he was in the church, he was a minister of the Brethren um, group, so he had already left Wissahickon, and now he's in Lancaster, and he's on the Conestoga, and the is significant, I'll talk about that in a little bit. Um, and he renounced his association with the brethren and then he opened up the effort of cloister. So, you know, we take that story for whatever it's worth Yeah, but, but this is kind of the linkage or the lineage, which is at least told on the Wikipedia level of history. That doesn't mean it's not necessarily true. It just means like, it's probably not the deepest or the fullest part of the story, but we can, you know, we can, maybe we can ascertain some, some, some greater depths to it. But nonetheless, we see, we see this line so let's go here uh just for the folks at home to give you a visual reference uh right here is the hermit's cave this is philadelphia and this is effort a cloister uh conrad beisel who we're talking about a little bit earlier uh, he was here and then he went over here this was known as the first rosicrucian colony in the new world this was known as the first rosicrucian permanent colony in the new world Bysel came here looking for kelp and they're like kelp ain't here no more. And so they're like, uh, uh, Conrad Mathai was like, why don't you go west? Why don't you go start something? And so, you know, this is, this is kind of what happened. Um, yeah, what do we got here? Da, 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 da. So a little bit more right here. Yeah. There's, there, uh, about Bysel coming, looking for, for kelp or Kelpius, uh, as his Latinized name. So back to the brethren group. So these are all like the different types of of brethren churches. And we see them listed here. We've got the the brethren church, uh, the church of the brethren, the closed brethren, the old German Baptist, Plymouth brethren, uh, Dunkard brethren. And we've got this right here, the river brethren. So the river brethren, and I didn't know any of this. I didn't know any of this until like I came home from like from Wissahickon. So the river brethren are any of the certain Christian groups operating from 1770 during the radical PS movement, pious movement during the German colonists in Pennsylvania, Uh, um, Mennonite refugees from Switzerland had settled their homes near the Susquehanna river in the Northeastern United States. Their religious guides Jacob and John angle joined with the revival and their followers were often known by their locality, a group of brethren from north of Marietta, Pennsylvania. So for any folks who've like been listening to my stories for a while, that name might sound familiar because I lived in Marietta, Pennsylvania. Marietta is a tiny river town of like maybe two thousand people on the western on the western border of Lancaster and the eastern shore of the uh, of the Susquehanna. It's got three thousand people. Just in the same way that 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 Raz lives near the Wissahickon, I'm living near this thing right here, and this is where I was living when. The susquehanna mystery began to to um to to unfold so the initial spiritual leader of the river brethren was martin bohm and uh who was excluded from the mennonite church and then he became a bishop of the church of the united brethren in christ um so let's go look at bohm for a little bit uh clergyman and a pastor he was in lancaster pennsylvania um we heard that, but he's believed to be the descendant of Jacob Bohm. And if you're familiar with like the deeper, the deeper lineage of, of kelp, you know, this is two generations back, you know, it was, uh, uh, Zimmerman came before kelp and then they were, they were students of this Jacob Bohm. And so this Martin Bohm is said to be a descendant upon him. Uh, his, his father was also Jacob Bohm, but it's a different Jacob Bohm. And he had one of the first farms in Lancaster County who was deeded his land directly uh, from William Penn himself. And here's uh, here's an image of um, some of the old order river brethren. Uh, I'm gonna take one moment just to tell this like, you know, like a little asterisk. I had the opportunity two years ago to work on an amish hemp farm it was half amish half english and that is like very very rare for something like that i'm not a farmer but like you know the opportunity presented itself and it was one of the richest most interesting experiences to be able to work side by side within within that community but nonetheless i'm going to go back to where we are so here we go um so we've got that so now we're going to go and switch gears a little bit and talk about cocalico creek the effort of cloister and the quest to travel at legendary places so i'm going to begin right here this is a slide from a a video i made called mystic lancaster and i made this video in um i think 2017 or 2018. And so this was from Google Maps. This is where the Ephrata Cloister is. And you could see running through the a Cloister is Cocalco Creek. All right, this is gonna be significant in a little bit. So just kind of sit back. So now we got this. So I'm gonna give you a little bit of context. So we have right here at the very bottom, this is the Susquehanna River. This is Cocalco. This is the creek, Cocalco Creek. It goes all the way down here. It goes through Ephrata. This is the source of the Cocalco Creek. The effort cloisters right here. And then it, um, it dies into the Conestoga. The Conestoga has a rich influence on the unfolding of the American story. Uh, the symbol of the conquering of the West is told through something called the Conestoga Wagon all of the pioneers were said to get these Conestoga wagons, which would allow them to, to, to go all the way, all the way to California. Like they were sturdy enough for that. The Conestoga wagon, the Cadillac of wagons, they should call it the Conestoga. They should call the Cadillac, the Conestoga of cars, I suppose. But nonetheless, this is the area where it came from. And this is also where it said that Baisel owned the Conestoga. It's in the name of a river. It's also the name of a, um, of of a location this is where where bisel first was a, a a pastor within the church of the brethren uh the very first private rocket we think of spacex as a private rocket um company but the first one was called i think it's called like the s space services international was out of houston but their very first rocket which they did for private space launch it was called the conestoga you know the the stogie for like a like a cigar that's from conestoga like Conestogas as a concept as a concept or as a word it's 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 within the uh the collective is just basically the point i'm trying to make so anyway so you go down here it goes through lancaster city this is where i'm living right about now in millersville and then it empties into the susquehanna right here at something called safe harbor this is what's known as safe harbor and this is where we find the susquehanna petroglyphs So, we have on this, we have starting right here. This is the beginning point. And by stream, by water, you will go all the way down to the petroglyphs. Um, A lot of the research I show is from the very beginning of Jamestown. They're pointing to these petroglyphs. They're pointing, this is right on the 40th parallel. This is like probably like two miles downstream from like 40 degrees, zero minutes, zero seconds. So, all right. So this is why Cocalco is so interesting. So Cocalco is a um, it is an uh, uh, an Algonquin word, and it means place of serpents or the place where the the snakes sleep. And this is the surface or this is the the location in which the uh, the source location of the Cocalco Creek. Now I've not been here. This is a slide put together by Paul Nevin. I saw he gave me permission to use his 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 presentation slides, but he says. Um, when you are on this boulder field, you can hear the water underneath and it's got this very, very unusual sound, almost like kind of unsettling because you hear all of the water and the acoustics of, of what the underground and how it works through these these, um, these boulder fields. But we're going to come back to this land in a moment. So what's interesting is cocalco is phonetically very similar to cocalco, which is a Nahua word totally different language family and in traditional like understanding of of like you know different language families they should have nothing to do with one another and it has the same meaning. Cocalco is the house of snake and Cocalco mountain is very significant within a lot of the uh the the, the Aztec and other mesoamerican creation myths because it said in cocalco that this is where this is where it all began this is where it all began. And so, uh, you know, we can see a little bit more here, um, you know, where that comes from, Cocalco Creek, Lana, they say here it's, it's, you know, snake dens, um, you know, what we're talking about, what you said before, the original people. And then this is a location in the state of Mexico at the house of snake. Um, this was, municipality was inhabited by the Toltec people. So okay, so now I'm going to introduce Tlalchiel, and so Tlalchiel is where a lot of this information comes from. Tlalchiel, who 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 passed, transitioned, whatever we word we want to say, in 2012, and he was a Toteca Chimekka elder, teacher, heir, and guardian of the oral tradition or true history, author, and spiritual guide. Tlalchiel was recently named, and so this is 2005. Grandfather of the grandfathers in the Hall of Deputies in Mexico City by an Indigenous Council, and so these are like a lot of his, um, uh, a lot of his um, uh, uh, ways in which he was recognized. And he traveled the world, and was a he was a uh, he was a large force. He was a large force, and he was particularly interested in the Susquehanna petroglyphs. And so he was he traveled the entire world, and he was coming to the petroglyphs. and because he, from his understanding, the way that this man, this keeper of the oral history, he was like, there were there were indications of what is at the petroglyphs that tie into his history very, very deeply. And so the petroglyph that he was most interested in, and I'm not gonna go too deep, but I'm just pointing out the significance of these markers of these petroglyphs is this petroglyph right here, which to Tlachiel, you know, the man who would probably know more than anyone, he was like, yeah, this is the symbol of, of Humak, the the last king of, of Tula, you know, the last great city of the Toltec people. And so this here is at the Susquehanna petroglyph. That was very important to him. And the fact that the rivers had the same name, Cocalco you know, this is the birthplace. And so to him, he was like, all right, this is, you know, this is significant. This is why, like, you know, the man who travels the entire world and he's talking about uh, the canyons in California and like the mounds in Ohio, he's also talking about these petroglyphs in the Susquehanna, which no one has ever friggin' heard about. So, all right, so we go back to our story. So this is all connected on the Cocalco. And so we see that, and what's interesting, I'm gonna point this out for you. This is one of the petroglyphs. And if you could look closely, let me see if I can make this bigger. It has in there, it is the the carvings of human feet. So when you stand in it, it's like saying stand right here, you are looking upstream. What are you looking at? Uh, This is the Susquehanna. There are six known locations of these hundreds of boulders right here that have petroglyphs. You could see this alignment. It's probably like part of something else, which we're only seeing remnants of but where this this foot marker is if you stand on it it is right here it is right there and in greater context it's right here it's looking straight up the conestoga it's looking straight up here where does the conestoga go it goes right here same name here and here we got our cloister folk we got a cloister folk right here so all right Um, so this is, this is fascinating. I just discovered this while I was putting this slide presentation together. Uh, the other, uh, two days ago, I started putting this together. I went to go pull up a snapshot, a screenshot of, um, of the effort cloister from Google maps, because I didn't want to have to go into my archives and find that slide that I showed you from like years ago. So this is Ephrata and look at the name of the Creek. It's no longer named cocalco. It's now named the Middle Friggin Creek. Cocalco has disappeared, at least in Google, right? At least Google Maps. So right here, I'm gonna go show you like what it <clears throat> what it used to be. So we got this, but it, this gets even wilder. So this is what it is. So this is Effreta right here. This was it says Middle Creek right there, and this was always the Cocalco. And then right here in this confluence, this was Middle Creek and then cocalco would meet it you could see it's the larger of the streams and then this would continue down into the conestoga it was always known as cocalco or at least it was known as cocalco until a couple couple weeks ago but now the way it's being presented is this this is that same those three streams coming together this is the skinny one this is the traditional middle creek this is what was known as cocalco and now it's all known as middle creek like this makes no friggin sense whatsoever but um Cacao is taken off the Google, you know, you read that into whatever it is, they still kind of have it this way at uh, listed on Wikipedia, I kind of look at them as very similar in terms of how information is is disseminated. So okay, so we're going to go a little bit deeper. So we've got I realize I skipped a major part of the story, but I'm going to add into it in a moment. So we're going to finish with, we're going to finish with um, the Cocoa Creek. Uh, we see this, that they changed the name, they changed it to Middle Creek, they changed it to Middle Creek. Um, and we, uh, uh, we see the Middle Creek. So, the question becomes What is the Friggin Middle Creek? Is there anything significant? And there actually is. There's something very, very significant. If we look right here, this is Ephrada. Right up here is called the Middle Creek Wildlife Management um, Area. And there's this lake right here. It's not a natural lake, it was a dammed lake. This is where um, the, the Middle Creek came down from here, and the Cocalico came from here, but they came from the same general area. So, all right, so we talked about we talked about here in Coca Co how there is the these rocks where they have this hum. they have this sound, which is which is um, uh, uh, obviously unusual and uncommon. So, what also is happening here is uh, the middle Creek snow geese migration. Every year between mid-February and mid-March, one of Pennsylvania's most amazing natural phenomena occurs, the Middle Creek snow geese migration. Two hundred thousand snow geese on their annual migration stop at Middle Creek. Now, I try to get some points of reference. I'm like, is this normal? Like how often like do do are there like thirty spots along the way where two hundred thousand geese join? I don't know i can't say that i couldn't find anything that said that it exists and i couldn't find anything that says that this is very unique but my sense is from this sentence right here that this is probably a a, a unique phenomenon and for whatever reason which the snow geese do whatever the snow geese do and they land wherever the snow geese land and i don't know how long they've been coming here they land here so here's some pictures we've got like all of the snow geese in this in this area of middle creek which is where the cocalco creek in this land, it all begins. So I'm going to throw this out here just for the folks because this is kind of interesting. I figured if we're going to talk about snow geese, let's just like pull up some of like the Ted Andrews or the like the spirit animal sort of like analysis of, of of like animal totems. And so we see this right here. What is the snow geese? The call of the quest and travels to legendary places. You know, that's what we're talking about. We're not talking about the Susquehanna and like the and 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 the 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 Delaware. We're not talking about uh about Middle Creek and and, and um, Wissahickon, we're talking about this region. We're talking about the, the totality of it, of the legendary place. Um, I also want to point this out in the video, which I did uh, separately from you, I talked about Mount Gretna. So this is the point of reference where everything is. This is Mount Gretna. This is Ephrata. This is where that middle Creek is. These are like maybe 15 miles apart. For the most part, this is relatively, uh, 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 not heavily density developed. So uh, now I'm gonna switch gears a little bit and go back to that day, go back to the day of the, uh, um, of the trip so i knew that the day i'm dealing with like you know this like this split this like complementary this like i almost imagine, like you know this this battling of brothers if you will this this like you know we've broken off to have the river brethren we're no longer your brethren and it's like you know the lenape and the Susquehannock, the the all of the different like divisions which we can see and so i'm thinking about that and i'm also aware of like you know just like the general the general uh uh, parasitic vampire nature of kind of uh, the reality which we live in, and when I talked a lot about, I talked about this a little bit in the Mount Gretna presentation because we talked about the shootings. I talked about other murders, and um, I'm going to go to murder again. You know, this is part of the story. There's blood on the land, and we gotta, and we're going to go and we're going to look at this. So I told you. So this is what. So me and Jesse, we're uh, we're going to go down. Jesse doesn't live in Lancaster. He lives out further west. And I'm, we're like, well, where are we going to meet? And so I go and I quickly look at a i'm like you know what makes the most amount of sense there's a pennsylvania turnpike exit um uh in north of efrida why don't we meet there because i know that people park their cars on the side of the road and i could leave my car there i'm like all right and that was that was my conscious reason of of doing that so <clears throat> in addition to that all of the stuff we've talked about, there's a very mysterious murder that happened in Lancaster County, uh, in 2002. And it's been on my radar for whenever I first heard about, it. I moved to Lancaster maybe around 2005, 2007. I don't really remember. And so, uh, this murder always screened of like one, like ritualistic murder and two, like, uh, it also pointed to some like other stuff, which 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 Pennsylvania has a really like nasty history with like, you know, sec- the second mile foundation and so forth. So this is a topic which I know, and me and Jesse have talked about it before. And right when he picks me up, he's like, do you know that this is the Jonathan Luna murder site? Because that's the murder we're talking about Jonathan Luna. So Jonathan Luna was a district attorney was a district attorney in Baltimore and the, and he was found dead in a creek in Lancaster County with 36 stab wounds but he was the cause of death was drowning in a 2-inch deep creek and it was officially ruled a suicide his last name is Luna so he, t- so the story of Jonathan, Jonathan, the moon, right? So Jonathan, the moon, he was my, my sense is like, he was, he, he probably was bumping up against a story, which he wasn't supposed to be bumping up against. That's my take. Cause this is, this is a couple of years before the whole Sus- uh, the second mile foundation uh, story broke and, and that's another topic all said and done but anyway this is the this is the strange thing about Jonathan Luna is the fact that the night of his murder uh his his travel to Lancaster had been tracked through his toll receipt records and and all of that sort of stuff at all of the 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 toll booths and so he went up north on 95. Crossed over the Susquehanna, then got on um, 476, went through Philadelphia, then got on 76. A King of Prussia came all the way on 76, and then got off at the same exit which which me and Jesse were at. And then this creek where his body was found was was shortly from it. So this is this is where me and Jesse were meeting. This is where Luna's body was found. This is uh this is that the inner the uh, Pennsylvania turnpike turnpike reading interchange. And this is the effort cloister about um, it's about four miles away five miles away to give you like a point of reference of where we're talking about. So that in itself, the fact that we're just meeting at the Luna site it was like, Oh, okay, that's kind of weird. You know, it's this something we've talked about. But this is also a very logical place where we'd go and meet. But something else happened that day as well. Something else happened that day as well, which has to do with um Lancaster strange murders so within Lancaster uh last last um last summer solstice last June 21st an Amish girl went missing and this is very 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 uncommon and very rare and she was kidnapped and it became an enormous story here in Lancaster and it was picked up on the national news as well and i and the reason i say that is like the amount of the energy which it had like it had an energy which was able to to move outside of the immediate area so um her 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 uh story had even though the news cycle had moved on like the 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 community of lancaster never let up like you know i would go everywhere and and you'd always see the flyers of her and it was like a you know it was it's it's a tough story you know anytime someone is missing and and it's strange like when you think of like the amish community it's very very unusual so um the night before the night before uh um we left i left on the trip um, her body was found, or at least her remains were announced to the public. You know, there has been nonstop searching in this entire time for these remains. And so not only are we at the physical, like in space, in space reality, we're near this kind of like ritualistic um, murder. Uh, we also have this unusual murder. I'm not going to say ritualistic yet, but I am going to indicate that uh, she did disappear on the 21st, on the, on the summer solstice. And the guy who, who, who Who is um, who is being charged with the murder, uh, justo smoker, you know, his name is filled with twilight languages as well, you know? So, so there's the, I, you know, I'm just pointing out what, what we see. So, um, all right, we're going to now go back and, and that was kind of the flavor. Like I'm looking at all of these different things, which are, which are going on, um, which are going on with, uh, um, within uh, the, the trip to Wissahickon, looking at the land, looking at the history, but then also looking at what is unfolding in my actual story, because, you know, you can't really take away your own experience from what's happening. So the next part of this, of this presentation is called Nickel Mines, Dirty Deeds and a History of Violence. So this is where they found her body. So they found, they found, uh, the Amish woman's body, Linda Stolfoots. um, at the uh, at Dutchland um, at Dutchland Inc a water treatment supplier off 41 in gap, so this is where this is where the body was found, and this is three and a half miles away from nickel mines, so what is nickel mines. So nickel mines back in in 2006 uh and this is hard for us to remember because you know we've been so we've been the collective mind has been so conditioned and abused and traumatized with like uh with 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 mass shootings and ma- and murders and all that sort of stuff that we've almost become numb to them but back in 2006 there was a big story that in nickel mines that they're in a single school in a single room schoolhouse there was a um there was a mass a mass shooting of Amish school children. And we could see here, the media from around the nation swarmed the area. In addition to the local media, there were reporters from Montreal, United Kingdom, Russia, Japan, CNN, CNBC. The point I'm trying to make was, this was a huge story at the time. This was a real, like this, like, completely shocked, completely shocked the nation. This is old order Amish. So this is like in the same, in the same world as the church of brethren, like this is that same community, which we're talking about. And, and so we see another Amish murder. And this is very uncommon. This is very unusual around here. And we can see how they are, um, how they, uh, uh, they show up in physical space. So um, and then to give a point of reference, so nickel mines is down here. This is where Ephrata uh, is. This is where 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 the Luna body was. These are like thirty miles apart. So these aren't in, in the exact distinct in the exact area. Right here is where the petroglyphs are. So Wharton is in. So I'm going to bring up uh, uh, Wharton for a little bit because Joseph Wharton, the guy who founded the Wharton school at the university of Pennsylvania, who was the co-founder of Bethlehem steel, he made his money. He made his real money. Like he had a first play and he made a little bit of money. And then he made like his, his big money through the nickel business and his nickel business came from nickel mines. He owned the right to nickel mines. That's a literal thing. So Joe, so in the second winter of the Civil War, Joseph Wharton, Philadelphia scientist and industrialist, sold his interest in the zinc industry and got control of a nickel mine near the gap. Remember, this is right by Gap, Pennsylvania, near a gap in the southern hills of Lancaster County. This is his nickel mine. Like this is the history. And so for the next quarter of a century, it comprised almost the entire nickel industry. He went and lobbied the president, and he's like, hey, we should go and have a five cent piece and we'll call it the nickel. And like, this is the guy who made it happen. And he's like, I'm going to sell you the nickels. How about that? And so you know, this is what happened. And it all came out of nickel mines. Look at this face. Look at the joy on this face. (laughs) Look at the joy on that face. All right. So uh, this dude, this dude Wharton is like, you know, I'm just going to talk about this for a little bit because I thought it was interesting. Like he was he was uh uh he entertained distinguished internationally known guests such as Thomas Huxley. This guy was, was known as, uh, Charles Darwin, Darwin's bulldog, you know, these astronomers, Andrew Carnegie. He was a scientist. He was a businessman. He was a, he presented and was a member of the philosophical society. Um, he was, uh, and also, so his grandmother, Uh, Hannah Rodman, I don't know if that's of the same Rodman of which we know Hillary Rodman Clinton. It it very well could be, but I couldn't confirm that. But he comes from this, this lineage of Thomas Cornell. And so these are all of the people are said to come from this Thomas Cornell. Uh, everyone from like the the I believe was his grandson, or Ezra, who was the founder of Cornell University, a signer of Declaration of of Independence, but then also Bill Gates, Jimmy Carter, Richard Nixon, uh, um, Bobby Graham, John Kerry, Amelia Earhart, Josh Rosen, Lizzie friggin Borden had her axe. like all of these people come from this guy. Like you know this is this is a, this is a one of those lineages which we've never heard of, but like plays a big part in the background, so all of that is connected in this area, in and in the mineral world, in between these two rivers. So, um, so. Uh, uh, Bethlehem steel, which he was the founder of, um, they eventually bought out Lackawanna steel and Lackawanna steel was a steel company out of Scranton. And this is just kind of a small thing, but I want to go and, and bring this into the conversation. These steel companies were immensely competitive. They did not like each other us steel, Bethlehem steel, Lackawanna steel. And when Lackawanna steel fell on hard times and their biggest competitor had to buy them out, that wasn't well-received. I mean, these are these are these are dominating mindset individuals. So when you're bought out, like you're not happy about it, and I, and if you're unaware of this, you know, folks at home, like uh, Scranton is. Uh, Uh, you know what, watch that movie, um, the Irishman, it's all about the Scranton crime family. It's the biggest crime family. La Cosa Nostra is about, you don't know anything. So if you think, you know, something you're not, that's what you're supposed to know. Like the, 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 the crime families that are behind the scenes are the big ones. This is all out of Scranton and they ran, you know, it just makes sense that, you know, their biggest industry is going to be tied with it so there's there's a there's a hit mentality tied into all of this as well so um i'm building up to something so what do we have here this is where it starts getting really friggin' weird my folks all right so joseph biden claims to have heard gunshots from the lancaster amish school shooting joseph biden is on record saying he was vice president at the time this story came out in 2013 He said, and it was at a a presentation to the council of mayors when he was vice president, he was like, yeah, I was in earshot of the Amish school shooting. And so that is written off by the, the media. It's like, oh, that's just Joe using exaggeration to make a point. I think that the guy was in earshot of the Lancaster shooting. Joe Biden's a Scranton boy. Yeah, he's from Delaware, but he was moved to Delaware to work for the DuPonts because he's a Scranton boy. So this is the other thing, which is interesting. So our um, Linda Stolfoots she disappeared June 21st, 2020. Joe Biden makes a public appearance in Lancaster, Pennsylvania, June 25th, 2020 it's all the same people. It's the same, like, you know, we're, we're seeing the same sort of thing. So I'm going to go even a little bit deeper with this. Um, so part of the, the, the collective history, part of the collective history of what we are told about, uh, or part of the collective history, which has shaped the modern, co- uh, mind, uh, deals with school shootings. And we think about it in a much more modern context. And maybe the first real kind of, um, shoot shooting, uh, that took place on a school that really got into, um, the collective mind. And what I think was a major part of the ritual that's probably like back at university of, of Texas. I think that was in the fifties, but that's not where it began. The first school shooting is listed April 26, 1764 in green castle, Pennsylvania. Okay. And they just scrubbed this from the internet too this used to be on wikipedia i saw this like a couple months ago you can't find it anymore but i found this reference to it so this is the story this is the story that's put out that happened at this this green castle school massacre this took place in a one-room schoolhouse just like the amish one one room schoolhouse and it happened on july 26 1774 and so the wikipedia story tells us that four Lenape Native Americans entered a settler's log schoolhouse in the province of Pennsylvania and killed the schoolmaster Enoch Brown and 10 students and wounded another one. And so, and it's memorialized right here with this, with this obelisk. So this is the story which is told. So now we've, in, we've introduced at least into the, the, the collective storytelling, because a lot of these stories, like, you know, they're, they're not exactly accurate, but we don't know what has happened. This is what's being presented as accurate. That we've, we've now had a connection with, with, with the Lenape people. And they're saying that this is where it began. This is where they're saying the story began. So now let's go look at this. So right here is a little bit of a map. This is Nickel Mines this right here is green castle single schoolhouse killing single schoolhouse killing you know and this is by a guy whose initials are cc his name was carl charles roberts you know another three named killer who like has all sorts of strange sort of things around him and on the day of his shooting like you know woke up and was different than any other day but anyway so let's go look at this we're going to follow this line what does this line connect so first we we'll, let's see where this line crosses the Susquehanna you could see if you look closely right here let's see if I could zoom in we could see it's where this where the where this bow is and you could see that island it's where it says uh Pequa Valley where is that where is that that's at safe harbor. This is where the petroglyphs are. Let's look at these lines again. Oh, the line goes right over the petroglyphs. That's friggin' weird. So now let's go look at this. Oh, look, it goes right through friggin' Gettysburg. That's friggin' weird. <laughs> and there's one, there's a third story in the collective, in the collective mind about like uh like uh uh um uh, violence tied in with, with the Amish community. And this story goes back to, um, The story goes back to uh, 1920s, I'd say. Let me see what size I have this in. It's called uh, Ray Myers Hollow or the Hex Hollow, and it's located in central Pennsylvania near Maryland border. And the area was brought to national attention by a murder that occurred in 1928, another one of these national attention murders. The name Hollow was later changed to Spring Valley County, County Park. So I just want to show you right here. This is Spring Valley County Park. This dot right here is where the line went across. So it's like five miles away. That's why this line is like slight or this circle is slightly below. So what is this? What is this Reimer's Hollow? Well, it was um in 1928 under the malicious advice of a local woman named Nellie Knoll, who was the river witch of Marietta. This is the same Marietta which we talked about before. Like it's come these small things keep coming back. That she's told this guy, John Blimer, that this other guy, Reimer, had was using one of the the, the 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 secret books of the Amish and the Amish uh magic, which is known as brokerai, a spell book, which was known as a long lost friend. And she's like, Yeah, he's cursing you. You're gonna have to go get that book. And if you can't get that book, you're gonna have to kill him. So that was kind of the story behind it. Uh the brokery or, or brokerai is also known as powwow. Uh, and it is a, uh, you could just tell by the name. It is, um, this is what it says, uh, is a vernacular of North American traditional medicine and folk magic originating in the culture of the Pennsylvania Dutch. These are the church of the brethren blending aspects of folk religion with healing charms, Powwowing includes a wide range of healing rituals used primarily for treating ailments in humans and livestock's, um, Although the word powwow is Native American, these ritual traditions are of European origin and were brought to a colonial Pennsylvania in the transatlantic migrations of the German speaking people of Central Europe. Uh, we could see this talks a little bit more about this. Uh, books also used within the powwow and just the fact it's called powwow. No, this was a blending of practices. You just know that by the, the peoples lived together. These were peaceful people. They were mystical, magical people, but they lived peacefully with other peaceful. They were the three churches of the peace. Um, the, the other books of interest to them were the Egyptian secrets of the Albertus Magnus, and then also the sixth and seven books of Moses uh there was a rift in these communities but there was there was there was there's something going on so uh i'm gonna bring this this presentation to uh uh, i'm gonna bring it all home right now because i went all over the place i went all over the place but there are all these interesting sort of connections which we're working with so we talked about how, you know, not only was this like a history lesson of what we went through, it was also like experiential. Like weird things started happening. Like you know, uh, we were talking, you and I were talking about this off camera. Like a lot of portals been open, a lot of weird things, like a lot of energies have been coming up in my life and in your life and in Jesse's life. And I, I'd like to talk to the other people who've been on the, to- on the tour. I'd like to hear what's going on with them. So this is what happened the very next day. So my lady, Jenny Rivers, she had planned a month ago to go on this kind of like ladies retreat up in the, uh, um, in the mountains of, of, um, Reading. And this was planned way before the trip to Wissahickon, but it took place on the, on, on the day or the Friday following the trip to the Wissahickon. So this is a screenshot of the message, which she sent me. She's like, who is Conrad Weiser? I'm at his camp apparently so this is where she is and so who's conrad weiser conrad weiser is a key part of the of the Community of the effort of cloister. And so where is all of that? Like, you know, this is this has been playing months ago, and I ended up going the next night, they had it opened up like a drum circle. And it was it was like a wild, wild experience. It opened something up inside me. This is where that Conrad Weiser Park is This is where Conrad Weiser or camp is not park, it was a camp. Um, This is where where he is said to have lived. Ephrata is all the way down here. And then this is one of the pictures of some of the ruins which are found on the location. So. <laughs> There's a lot of stuff, my friend, but there was a lot to unpack with, with everything which we're tapping into. And so uh, it's with that, you know, I'm gonna close my portion of it and, and uh, open up to any sort of discussion or questions or anything like that if 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 you'd like to go down that path are oh, you on mute
1: i was just saying it's a lot to unpack
0: yeah it is
1: yeah yeah a lot to unpack but um man I, I did have a question. It's not directly related, directly related to the things you were talking about, but it was just something I've heard about Ephrata. That there is a place called the Green Dragon mm-hmm. Market there, or something. Mm-hmm. What's your awareness of the Green Dragon?
0: uh so in the usa today just last week they listed the green dragon as one of the uh like you know one of america's best open markets the green dragon is an experience like just talking like like go into it like it's like it's enormous and it's just you got to go to it it's a farmer's market it's like every you're, you're it's a it's like a uh, a junk market, it's an antique market. anything that could be sold is so is sold there. Um, the significance of green market by name, you know obviously you know that has not been lost upon me. Uh, the green dragon market excuse me because in the story that we're told of the founding fathers that where they met in Boston, As they were beginning to plan their their Boston Tea Party, as they're beginning to plan the Revolutionary War, which we talk so much about today, their meeting place was called the Green Dragon Tavern.
1: That's why I asked, I was wondering, like, uh,
0: what's the link with that, you know? I mean, there's certain for me, like I just hold it in the space. Like I know it's linked. I uh, haven't spent enough time um, going there. I'm not really certain. Um, I don't like going. Uh, I get. It. I don't. Fe- Mike personally doesn't feel comfortable up around those areas, uh, and so I don't spend a lot of time there. Uh, I like Marietta. I like that part of uh, Lancaster, Southern Lancaster, near the petroglyphs. I love how that feels um that area just is not appealing to me so i i I, geomancy uh on lock there
1: ain't no natural vibes flowing so when you get there your frequency's jammed up
0: got that right Yeah, (laughs) you got that right so i don't go there so i'm just like all right there's a green dragon i'm gonna not go to the green dragon
1: (laughs) effort like this is right is this in the heart of the cloister so there's like that feeling you're saying extend to the what they call the cloister itself
0: so the cloister is like uh um uh i think it's closed right now but it's a historical place let's say it's like three acres two acres there's like a main road route three two two that goes right through efrida Ephrata. and effort is kind of like it's a charming town and it's like it's kind of high up in the hills yeah. in lancaster uh it's got like nice views and like if you were to go to ever cloister you would like walk through the door you'd park your car and you would see like all the how uh, all of the buildings that are still in place and so it's like a tourist destination the Green Dragon is probably like three or four miles outside of like the main Ephrata, um, like downtown area. And it's 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 considered Ephrata in terms of um, like postal, but not necessarily, you're not going to walk from one to the other.
1: And could you pull up your map and show where are these things in relation to High Point? You didn't. Uh... All
0: right. All right, let me try. Let me let me start with this one. Uh if I can find that. So um nope. All right, I'm gonna go with this. Uh this is Ephra right here. I'm gonna make this bigger. So this is Ephrada right here. Um, Lidditz is a really interesting town too. Lidditz was a was a closed village uh, for like 100 years. Like is, And Lidditz, L- <laughs> I could talk about Lidditz for a long time. So this is Ephrata. This is Lancaster City right here. This is probably like a 15, 20-minute car ride, if even that far, going down 222. And then you got to go out west. This is you, the same Route 30. You know your Route 30? This is the same Route 30. This is Lincoln Highway. And so okay. high point is located right here. High point is right here. Marietta is right here, right where this 90 degree turn is that's Marietta. This is where chickies rock is very, very significant geological formation. Marietta is right here. The history of Marietta is very, very, um, uh, interesting as well as it relates to the rolling out of, um, the rolling out of, of the American history right here this is where um this is why the battle of gettysburg happened the south had come up uh through maryland and they were coming to cross the gettysburg uh across the uh cross the susquehanna and they were going to go straight into philadelphia that was the plan and the south was dominating the war at that time And the folks here, they burnt down what was at the time the longest covered bridge on the planet. And so the, the troops were like, well, I guess we can't cross the river. So they turned back around and this happened right here, right where high point is like literally where high point is. And they went back and they restaged at Gettysburg and then the Gettysburg, uh, the battle of Gettysburg occurred because of that. Uh, this is probably maybe about a 35, 40 minute car ride. And then right here, right here is where the petroglyphs are. Okay. So I'm gonna be planning, I'm gonna be planning my version of your tour and we're gonna get everyone to come out for that. And I'm not certain where we're gonna, where, where we'll go first, um, but uh, I wanna replicate, I wanna replicate uh, a, a similar thing in in terms of what you did. And I think that's, that uh and i always i also see like in the summer like i would love to see if we could do that like you know as you do more of these tours, because you indicated that there's the upper Wissahickon, which we didn't even get to, which we want to go and see all of those spots. And so I think it will be a very interesting sort of thing to be able to have these different sort of tours to look and like, you know, to, to spoil what has been, what has, or to, to, to heal what has been spoiled, to repair what has been, what has been broken between whatever these, these rivers, these peoples, these experiences, what that represents. And I, and I see that being done like in, in, in like, you know, in, in fellowship, like, you know, people come together who enjoy the company and we're like sharing stories and we're having fun and we're sharing food and we're, and we're learning and we're growing and we're all this sort of stuff and, 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 and walking in a, a closer version to the natural world than, than what maybe we are experiencing right now. Right. I would
1: say it seems like people that are magnetized to this information, they're high-frequency people because that uh, group, man, it just, the collective of us, we we were moving with a force, you know? Like I said, that dude said he felt us before he saw us. You know, we was moving with, with a high frequency, you know? Uh,
0: yeah. Undoubtedly, undoubtedly. Yeah. So all right, I think this was—I think this was a a good uh, a good episode. There was a lot which we covered, so I would recommend to all the folks. Like you know, you probably need to watch this. So if you're watching this right now, you, you watch the whole thing. But uh, if you want to get deep, you got to go a couple views of it and see it in bits and pieces. Are there any final words which you wanna, which you need to share? Uh, nah, I'm good,
1: man. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks. I'm looking forward to. Uh, to be totally honest, since we're getting into the warm season, uh, next new moon, I might be out on your side, man. Let's do a live, like, you know, hit up some spots, man. And record.
0: Man, would I love that. Yeah. If that, if that, if if we can make that happen, if you can come out, I will go put together something, which is going to be, you know, it's, 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 it's going to be, it's, it'll knock your socks off all right well yo consider it done man all right all right yeah you folks heard this you heard it here first all right all right so yo from one mystic to another bruh salute from all the right. 40th until next time my friends we'll see ya this yeah. is mike Rasben.